Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Connie, don't you think, I mean, we've got some really good success working with the cities individually on behalf of our taxpayers where, you know, with compelling facts and issues, I think we've been able to get really great results and a little bit of leniency because I think our cities know that it's hard hard to comply in our state and they can't really always take a shame on you where we're here, why didn't you know uh, position because it's just so universal that people don't know we have home rural cities. So don't you think when we've talked to some of these administrators, we've actually had some pretty good success in working out some kind of an accommodation for most of our clients if there were good facts and places to support that. What do you think about that? Absolutely. It's a win-win for both the taxpayer and the jurisdiction. Um, they get their they get their past tax monies that they didn't have, wouldn't probably have gotten it any other way. And the taxpayer was able in most situations, we're able to, I think, I don't even know if we've not been able to eliminate penalties, but we eliminate penalties. Sometimes we get a break on the interest that might be due on past um, liabilities. Jurisdictions are just super helpful and happy to work with us to get taxpayers into compliance. So it's just a win-win for both both sides. I just feel like with, with our advocacy over the years, we've been very successful coming forward to governments and saying, look, sorry, we wave the right flag, but we want to do right. But please don't look back 10, 15 years. Just look back 36 months. We'll get it right and 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 eliminate our list our risk going forward and also get a legal agreement in place to to preserve our statute because we didn't have one because we never filed. So that's there is a VDA process at the city level and there is a way to remediate risk. And so that's something to consider before you go into SUTs. If you owed a substantial amount of money and had prior nexus in a city of Colorado and didn't register historically and you go through the SUT system, you will trigger a nexus, you will trigger a filing date and the state knows if you're late, because they you have to put a date, you started registering, and you sign that under penalty of perjury by virtue of the fact that you registered through SUT. So very important to manage that risk and that compliance duty, in my opinion, and not take that on as a business unknowingly if there's an arrearage issue. I would add on audit, um, if if you run the risk, you don't go through an agreement, um, you don't settle with the city, and there is that past liability on audit. Just remember that while SUTs is the new system, most of these cities have had auditors in place for many, many years. And so, and they have a a robust audit system. And so they can um, assess penalties and interest and they can go back as far back, you know, 10 years. I've seen 10 plus years of information being audited. So- I feel like the minimum has been an eight to 10 year look back on 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 average. We have seen everybody going back eight to 10 years or in some instances, I remember us, what was City of Centennial going back to when the state became a home rule. And I believe that was 2009. Right. So we're more than 10 years with 2009 for that city. So we've certainly, they certainly have a right to enforce as far back as they want. So that is always a concern that taxpayers have. I think the other thing we want to bring up is the licenses. So all the cities have not all the cities, I shouldn't say that, but many of the cities have a license fee, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, 250 bucks, varies on the city. It's kind of a lot, actually. I think I added it up. And if every statutory and home rule city, we could have like $18,000 of uh, license fees every month, every year, just for the privilege of collecting the states and the city's taxes. We are fighting that on the, the Simplify Sales Tax Coalition. We've been, Colorado Municipal League, which represents all the cities, is well aware of it. The cities have been 
discuss that. There is maybe going to be some recommendation that if you use the SUT system, which is a $58 or something fee to, to register in Colorado, it could vary uh, to get your license in the state every year, that that would be your fee. And the only way they could get a business license fee is if they have a situs in the city, meaning you have a location in the city. And then you can impose the business license fee, but not a sales tax license fee if you go through SUTs. But I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. So that's something to be aware of. And Arizona did not manage that, right? So Arizona still allows their home rural cities, which are now state collected, to implement a license fee. It could be 10, 15 bucks a year. But we see that happen now where Tempe is getting a license fee, Phoenix is getting a license fee. And that's another couple hundred bucks a year that you weren't anticipating spending for the privilege of collecting the taxes. And then the final thing we just learned is we're seeing percentages hitting for large tax payments. In other words, like a fee to remit an e-check, which I'm really, I've just learned about. I didn't, you know, I have nothing to do with that because administrative, they get to decide that. But I'm not sure that's in fairness, but we are seeing that. I know the IRS imposes a fee if you make a payment with them that's not ACH. You know, if you do a credit card, you have to pay a fee. If you do something else, I can't remember what else, like an e-filing that's not through your ACH debit or something, there's a fee to make a tax payment. So we're going to see some of that, and I'm not sure how to deal with that. I'm sure that's a third-party thing. It has nothing to do with anybody, but once again, another cost to remit your money to a government. It's kind of interesting. What do you think about that, Tram? I mean, do you guys have that? Have you seen that in any other state, a fee to give their give them their money? No, I mean, I guess kind of the exact opposite is what I generally see with the like the vendor discount fee, right? Where if they're remitting and filing and remitting and paying uh, timely, they get like, I don't know, it varies from state to state, but it's, uh, you know, a, a small little discount that they get. And, um, and in some states, I think in Texas, it's pretty significant um, in terms of, you know, the state you know, giving back money to to the vendors who are collecting tax on their behalf. So it is kind of contrary to what we've seen in other states. So and actually, I am now that you mentioned that, Tram, that is an issue with the home rules because I don't know if some of the home rules do have a vendor fee or not. Do you know? I feel like I, I, I have not seen it. State that um, has I've not seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah so then, I don't know how that gets rolled out either because. I'm not, I think the vendor fee goes against your Colorado taxes, so it would be netted out as you file. It wouldn't be based on your city taxes, which would be based on your taxable base and then your remittance amount. So it's, you know, there's going to be a bit of a, diff it's going to be an interesting challenge. And I do, what I have heard is some of the filing organizations are not going to be using SUTs right now because of this vendor fee, this percentage fee issue of the transaction of the money, because it takes away some of the money from the compliance and they don't have a way to capture that fee with their arrangements for fees for doing the sales tax return. So that should be an interesting issue that'll need to be worked out as SUTs becomes the, the, the way to remit in Colorado. You know, while SUTS is still being implemented and it's not completely online yet, I know that a lot of cities are running parallel systems. So they're using their old system still. Yep. Um, so you can still, be. like for Denver, for example, uses yep. an EBIT system. So you can use the EBIT system to file or you can use SUTS. Correct. So that might be a little bit of a help for taxpayers until they can get fully online. So we're telling people to keep filing in the cities you're already in for now until everybody's in SUTS, depending on their facts. 
unless we, you know, there's something different we learn about you and there's a better reason to switch uh, because not all the cities you can easily port over. So we're hoping that will be, you know, within the next few months, we'll be 100% all cities. So we'll make it a lot easier to make some business decisions about when you port it over to SUTS. But we're telling some of our clients, depending on their facts, just stick tight until SUTS is ready for going prime time everywhere. And then some clients were actually, you know, we are transitioning them to SUTS, just depends on their facts. But don't just rush into SUTS because you can't get all 70 cities activated yet. So you'll have to remember to activate the next set of cities. And then the other thing you're gonna have to consider is how do you collect that tax, right? And that I think is just all the more reason people are gonna need automation because there's all kinds of more rates now. And then you have to figure out the buckets where the filings go. So sales tax automation makes that imperative for the filings, don't you guys think? Well, absolutely, especially with the kind of destination sourcing rules and getting the correct jurisdiction and having that specific address information to ensure you're collecting all the special and, you know, MTA and RTD and all those special district taxes. And so, um, you know, you don't want to get caught not collecting the right rate. So, correct. And that's an issue even in Texas because you have 1,714 jurisdictions, which means there's a lot of rates to put the buckets in for Austin versus Dallas versus Houston versus Arlington or not. Is Arlington a jurisdiction? But yeah, so it might be a bucket of more money needs to go in the Dallas metro area. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it unless you guys have anything further. I think we've talked a lot about the impact and the different considerations that a taxpayer has to think about. I mean, there are plenty of other things that we didn't touch upon, but I think, you know, as we learn more, definitely, I mean, follow us on our website, saltivations.com. And I mean, check out taxops.com LLC too. Yep. Another two resources where we put things or sign up to be on our newsletter because we push out a newsletter every so often. We don't have a rigid schedule for that to keep people apprised of recent changes that we're observing in, in the States. So that's it, right? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented. 